Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I really want you to cook for me. Um, yeah, I'll sure I'll cook for you. Because one of my favorite memories is when I came downstairs and I had my mumps. Oh, and we yeah. were living together and you were cooking pancakes and you were flipping it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. God, yeah. it actually fills me with such delight thinking about that. Yeah. And now that we spent all the day thinking about food and sitting in the restaurant interviewing our next guest, it was just such a... I'm actually hungry just talking about it. Oh, we're just talking about food because our next guest on the podcast is the lovely Fred Sirex. Ah. Uh, yeah, from uh, First Dates. Fred Sirex or Sirex. He is... Fred Sirex. He's the maitre d'. Yeah, of Galvin at Windows. He's the maitre d' in First Dates. He's our friend now, Francis. Yeah, well, if you say so. I do say. He gave us some delicious... Ice cream mm-hmm. and advice. He did. God, he just what a wonderful, pleasant guest he was. What a uh, lovely man. What a lovely, lovely man. What a lovely beard. What a lovely beard. He doesn't snack. That's what he told us as yeah, well. Yeah, doesn't snack. He doesn't snack. If you want to be like Fred Syriax, don't snack. <laughs> that's, that's the... That's the that, secret. That's and the, that's how you can become... <laughs> Fred Syria. <laughs> um, it was a wonderful what episode. What else shouldn't you do? It was a wonderful episode. It's episode 99. Enjoy. Mm. Do you feel at home here? Yes, actually. Although I was once here, actually, the last time I was here, I was here with a friend who was very drunk and, and we all got kicked out because he started smoking. <laughs> Where, where were you sitting? Over there. Oh, you were in the bar, were you? Yeah, yeah, in the bar. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I wasn't smoking, but he just suddenly started smoking. He wouldn't put it out. So even you though... got kicked out. So, well, he got kicked out and I was obviously with him. So, kind of... uh, oh. Welcome that... back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's, so it's nice to be finally let in again. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Private Parts Podcast. This is where we read the most intimate and sordid details of our lives. Uh, joined with us today is... I would say one of my oldest friends in show business, because that's what we're in. Really, yeah. yeah, we're in show business. Yeah. Uh, Fred Seriex. Is that, did I pronounce it right? Perfect. Was that perfect? Perfect. Fred, how are you, buddy? I'm very good. Very, very good. But I hear your French is getting better. My, do you know what? My French is getting better because I'm now uh, going out with a French girl. And yeah, so. That's one way to do it. Yeah. yeah so, well, actually, no, weirdly enough, this is the problem with it is that I think it's getting better, but French is like a hard language to learn. And I, I thought it would be easy, but. French people, I feel, speak faster than anyone else. Well, it's so true. there's 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 no obvious um, breaks in there in the between the words because it's it all flows. That's why it's kind of a, quite a rhythmic. Flow. Is that right? You Fred? don't speak French. Oui, je parle français. Ah, but tu vois, tu parles français, ça va. On peut continuer en français le podcast. Oui, oui, bien sûr. Et toi, Jamie? Ah oui, ça va bien. Où est le boulangerie dans la bibliothèque? C'est tout ce que tu peux Is dire. That, yeah, that's right, right? Isn't that yeah, right? Yeah, very good. Is that what you say to your girlfriend? Yeah, I say to... I wake up in the morning and say to my girlfriend every morning, Oué, la bibliothèque. Yeah. Because you want to learn how to read. <laughs> yeah. But Fred, we are right now, we are recording in Galvanet Windows, which is uh, your restaurant that you look after. And we're sitting here where everyone's having 
a kind of a lunchtime meal. Has this ever happened before where a podcast has happened here? It's n- never. It's the it's first just... ever podcast that we've recorded here. Wow. That <laughs> is the first. It's history. We've made history. But wait, how long have you been looking after this place? Well, we started here in May 2006, so it's 13 years. Oh, 13 wow. years this year. And so you've done that the entire time? Yeah, for 13 years. Yeah. But, but you've always... I, was, I had like a look at your Wikipedia page... And you have been in kind of the restaurant business and everything like that for now so long. I mean, it's been a few years, hasn't it? Well, I've been in this business for 30 years. I've been in the UK for 27 years yeah. and up here for 13 years. Um, so when we opened, I mean, it was, uh, it, it was, it was called Windows on the World before. And yeah. uh, we took over a brand that was quite old and, 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 and forgotten in a way. So yeah. we had a lot of work to do to convince people to come back to the 20, 28th floor of the London Town Park Lane and, yeah. and, 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 and show them and tell them we we're going to we'll give them a good time. So it took us a long time to, to actually change. Yeah changed the perception of what was here and um, after 13 years yeah we're, we're pleased we've done it yeah. but, but the and it's a beautiful I've, I've actually took um, I had went to, to Gavin at Windows for Valentine's Day do you remember about two th- actually three years ago I took my ex-girlfriend there and we were in a really big fight at the time and I remember we came on and we sat here and we were having a big fight and Fred was then all I was trying to do was look happy for him <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to look really happy but so, so Fred tell me so you you grew up in France in a place called Long Longchamp Longchamp, Limoges, Limoges. Close enough. Longchamp. Sorry, this is your French girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, he's not listening to your yeah. tips. Yeah, yeah. It's okay, too you, hard. you just got to work it out. <laughs> but it's too hard to understand. I, the problem with the French language is that it, it has. It's like your surname. If I was going to look at your surname, I would say it was Syriax, but it's not. It's Syriax. No, it's Syriax. The first time oh, it was good. Yeah. Was that the right way? Yeah. But you, you grew up in Limon. Limoges. Limoges. And ha- your parents were in healthcare, though, weren't they? That's right, yeah. Yes. Both were working in the French NHS. Ah, okay. But both ha- doctors or...? They were both nurses. Yeah. And, um, you know, my parents always talked to me about their work and, mm. and, and how proud they were about what they were doing. And for my dad and my mum, it was all about the patient and yeah. the quality of the care for the patient. And, and they were always fighting for the patient's right and yeah. for the patient's care. And my stance on service and my philosophy of service all derived from the way my parents taught me about the way that they were going about their jobs yeah. and it's all about the quality of that care and making sure that you deliver always an experience which where people can trust you my dad was telling me this story you know, when, he, when I was a boy he was telling me that I said to him so why do you shave to go to work dad you had this beautiful moustache but he mm. always was you know, very very cleanly shaved he said well because I've got to inspire people I've got to make sure that people can trust me yeah. and when I go into a room they've got to know that I've arrived and I'm going to make them feel better and not worse and then he told me another story and this man was there he was about 80 years old in a room and he had the, the, the sheet uh, up to uh, up to his eyes almost, and he was in the intensive care unit uh, yeah. of, of of the uh, cardiologic uh, unit there at the hospital. So you know, when people at, at this age were in the hospital, I mean, literally, I mean, it's almost kind of the last chance for you, right? So he mm. was scared to death. There is no other word. Yeah. And my dad came in the room, and he said to him, he looked at him, and he recognized that look because this is the look of fear that he's seen all his life in his professional life. And he looked at him, and he says, "Kovai, grandpa," and "Kovai" in the, in the local dialects means "How are you, grandfather?" Because at the time people didn't speak French you know if you were yeah. 8 years old in 1976 1977 or, or 8 you know you would speak the local dialect it mm. would be your first language but my dad made that connection with 
him. He had engaged with him. And suddenly, the, the, the sheets came down and the man started to smile. And this is when you think about hospitality, you know, mm. when, and service. This is what it is. And, and this is yeah. where the connection was made. That's yeah. what it's about. But was he smiling at your dad because he, he liked him? Or did, was he smiling because he had a funny moustache? Is that what Because <laughs> <laughs> you said that he had, he had this moustache. He had a big old moustache. No, he was like smiling because he recognized one of his own. And he suddenly felt at ease and he felt comfortable yeah. and he felt that he could rely and trust yeah. the manager center the room. That's what it's about. That's a connection that we because make. Because I suppose also a, a hospital is a, is a sort of a relatively alien place that you feel uncomfortable just being in for anything, really. So if, I guess if you can, if, you're, if the doctor can immediately put you at ease like that, you know, make him feel like he's at home. Uh, it's probably quite a yeah, nice but, way to... But it's so true. But also, Fred, you know, the so you're saying that everything that you learned about service was from your parents because you you saw the way they treated other people. Right. And you thought that's how other people should be treated mm. all the time. And because there's always that, that saying that they always think that in France, the service is not very good. Who said that? I don't know, man. This is what I hear. That apparently the really? service. Yeah, I, hey, I hear it occasionally that apparently the service isn't very good. So who do you hear that from? Yeah, just all loads of French people. They when I, I go and speak to them, they go, yeah, the service isn't very good. You speak to them in French in Russian. Or, oh. Yeah, I, I speak to them in Russian. But where do you think that comes from, then? Because you are you are known as in the UK. You're known for being the best person in the whole of the UK for your service. You even have a nickname, which is. <laughs> which is what are you going to tell I don't me? know I'm just, I'm just teeing you up did you give him this yeah, nickname yeah yeah you always have a nickname which Amongst is Big me Fred and my no, yeah. yeah it's me it's Big Fred's your nickname <laughs> <laughs> but you do it's something like you have a nickname or you're known as um, I remember it but I can't quite it's something like the, 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 the man the, the silver the server or, 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 or the OG the, oh, is it the OG who knows and who knows what it is but where But the original where, gangster <laughs> yeah that's it he's the gangster of of the servicing world yeah. and if you if you fuck around with him he really takes it down but so where did it come from with where does that come from that people say French service is bad or is that just <laughs> a myth it's true it's in the France that's what people really? say yeah do you not think that I, I mean, I've I got, had some of the best no, service I have as well but the rumour is that people say you know they go god when you go to restaurants French waiters are rude, are rude but that's not kind of I think maybe there's an expectation yeah. in France that it's going to be fantastic yeah. and so therefore when it's bad you think oh my god you know, and then people generalize and they say mm. that all the French are bad or all the French are bad at service, yeah. which is obviously not the case. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know where you got this from, yeah. but. Um, and stop spreading that word. Yeah, it's like yeah. Stop spreading stop that word. rumors. There's enough <laughs> rumors going around in the UK about the French. <laughs> yeah, but, then, but then you decided to come to the UK, uh, having been in France, and you had worked in service in France, France for about three years or something like that. Then you came over here, and what did you find different about working in France to working in the UK? Other than the language. Obviously. Other than the language and the service that was so bad in France. <laughs> I think that what I like about the UK is that people are, are open to new ideas. Sure. So if you're in France, I mean, you're going to eat French food. You know, yeah. But by and large, that's what you're going to eat. Uh, but if you're in the UK, I mean, you eat any, any cuisine in the world. Yeah. And it's evolved so much. I mean, I arrived in 1992, now we're in 2019, and, and, and the world of hospitality, the world of restaurant is just incredibly different. I mean, there's so much choice now, so many different cuisines, so many different places. So you could eat a different cuisine every day of the week. It's fantastic. Yeah. Mm. So did your, you know, your, both your parents were uh, in healthcare. Did, you, did they ever teach you anything that came in handy? Or, you know, in the restaurant. Stitching. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. like perhaps like helping a customer who's choking. Do they do, do you ever do the Heimlich maneuver? Or? <laughs> 
I've always that's actually have you ever had not, to do the Heimlich? That's been my no, dream though. I haven't. I haven't. Um, but I think that what it is, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously, you, 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 your parents are, are very Heimlich maneuver. Yeah, no, I haven't done that. No, <laughs> I mean, they're very important. They, they shape the way you think. And for me, it was um, their values and their principles mm. and the way that they led by example in the work that they were doing and, and always leading from the front and always thinking first about the patient care. Mm. It was always about the patients. And this is my approach. At the end of the day, you know, if you want to do a good job, first of all, you need to know what good looks like. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't think about that. What is good? But good, you know, you can look at it in a very broad way. You can look at good, yeah. you know, is this tablecloth, you know, uh, uh, is it good the way it's been put on a table, you know, but then you can mm. think of so many different things. So it, it's about that really and about understanding what you want at the end, you know, how do you want your patient to feel? And, yeah. But most importantly, how would you feel if you were a patient in this bed and you're about to die or you feel scared because you think that you're going to die. How do you want to be treated? So I think that if you can't treat somebody well when you are in that position, then you're missing yeah. out completely on on, 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 on on the meaning of life, really. And yeah. I think that, that that's very, very, very Look, bad. That's and also, if they're not dying and they're having some delicious food at Galvin <laughs> yeah. on Windows, then you can actually give them an amazing experience and that attention to detail and quality. Because service. it's always about the customer. Yeah. Whether it's a patient, whether it's a customer, whether it's a guest, it's always somebody else. And I've got the theory, yeah. you know, that when you, it, it's, this is about giving love, you know, and mm. when you think about what is love, you know, I mean, we all think about what is love. I think that love is about giving. And if you give, you love. Mm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That notion of giving, but what is it that you give? I mean, it's not just about I'm giving you a phone, I'm giving you money. It's about giving with intent, with mm. is that intent where you've got goodness and kindness in your heart. And yeah. this is in that spirit that you're going to give it. And the more you give, the, the more you love and actually the better you feel. It's mm. such an amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're so, quite a giving person, aren't I'm you? I'm very giving. Yeah, I, I think I do. I give a lot. I, I yeah. do. So you think, so Fred, you think... So is that or are you, you more of a receiver? <laughs> <laughs> I just mix it up. Yeah, I'm versatile. <laughs> what Which just one like, do you favour more? I'm just versatile. Giving or receiving? I just both. Whatever. Whatever. If it's a Friday, it's probably just more giving, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's a Friday. I enjoy giving more. Yeah, so yeah, do me I. Too, it's yeah. way better. Fred, there we go. But Fred, so and you're saying that you describe, like, if you were going to describe love then, you would say it's all about... You, it's, it's about giving and, and, and giving out what you have to offer as an individual. And that's but sometimes like, you don't think about why mm. you could give. And you suddenly give something to somebody and you think, my God, why didn't I think of giving earlier? Mm. You know, yeah, and we all yeah. give and we think that, you know, because that, that, that evokes a certain spirit of generosity, mm. yeah. kindness, you know, of sharing with others. Yeah. But we don't think about giving as much as we should. And when we do do it, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel great. And and, uh, yeah. and and people, I think, sometimes can be a bit um, covetous of their you know, things. But actually, when you do just just give your, well, give whatever to people, you just feel very nice. But, you like don't, teach, oh, teach, but teach a lot of people right, don't do this, though. You, a lot don't of people always don't do feel, this. you don't always think of doing it. No, it's not it's because true. you're selfish or something, but because it's a conscious decision that you make that mm. you decide to mm. give. Mm. And Yeah, but it's also it's a selfless decision, which, and lots of people, a lot of the time, that's right. what we're that's doing is we're focusing so much on ourselves, and that's the problem with uh, the world that we live in, that everyone is so... Out to out to win themselves that everyone forgets to kind of give. Speaking of, of giving, I actually I once like uh, when you know there were these uh, there's a sort of homeless choir and you took ring, all his ring. money. No, no, no. And they had a bucket, <laughs> you know, at the front with the, one of those things at the top that so the coins go down into the bucket. And I was walking past and I thought well, I felt like giving them 
some of my change. So I found around got some jingling. Some of it. I love it. Yeah. I had like no, five pounds in my pocket and I gave them like... <laughs> Um, but uh, so so I walked past and I and I felt all the jingly uh, coins and I and I threw them in and I realised that I'd accidentally thrown my house keys <laughs> into a homeless donation bucket. Well, it's rubbing it in their faces because <laughs> uh, I had to go and you know get it out. It did you have to? It was how embarrassing. Did you, yeah. But wait, what did you do? Did so you have sorry, these are my house keys. Sorry, I'm like really rubbing it in their face. <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But Fred, so carry on that idea of love. And so are you one of, do you, do you, would you consider yourself one of those people that I call like an empath do you kind of that, what, an empath Whoa, like a psychic <laughs> no, an empath an I've empath is someone that word. a psychic someone who can read minds no it's not Fred it's not it's someone who is incre- incredibly empathetic and actually thinks about other people first are you calling Ro- him pathetic yeah I'm calling him pathetic <laughs> you are empathetic <laughs> Fred <laughs> but, that's really a bit harsh in his own restaurant <laughs> Invited you in. Yeah, I invited me in. I'm calling him pathetic, and then stealing stuff on the way out. Do you think you think what? about what was that? <laughs> do you think you think about other people first before yourself? Or I I, I try to. Yeah, I try to, and mm. I don't like to use the word try because when you say try, you know you've already you're, failed. You're preparing to fail. Yeah. Yes, uh, um, I, I think it's something that we we work on and we get better at. The more we do it, the better we get mm. at it. It's all about that practice, like anything. It's like sports. Perfection. Exactly. Yeah, but you can always have been like that. How? When did you learn that? How? Because that's just self-awareness, right? That's you decided becoming self-aware. I think of who it's you the are. evolution. I think that yeah. we we are all masters of our own destiny. We are in control of our own mind, of our own thoughts, and we have to decide what we want to be. You know, you can decide to be like a bottle of wine that's going to age well, and you can drink in forty years, or you can be the young one that's just going to turn into vinegar, and you can't drink after two years. So we have a responsibility within ourselves to be what we want to be, and. Uh, uh, and, and, and to remain that way and to keep improving mm. and I'm not there by any stretch of the imagination do you know what I mean but I think well, I that it's, you, it, it's yeah. this attainment and having maybe that sense of of, 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 of fulfill, fulfillment and satisfaction within yourself that you are actually getting there mm. little by little bit yeah. by bit that's what I actually that's I was just talking to this about uh, talking about this to someone the other day but that's what I feel like with jujitsu because every day you come out of the gym you're feeling do you you train jujitsu I don't I I box but uh, yeah Ah, okay but yeah so so similar but 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 you know with with jujitsu it's a very cerebral thing because you're 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 um you're 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 learning new uh, techniques and stuff in live fighting scenario where where you're both at 100 percent right but but every time you leave the gym, you feel like you know in your heart that you would beat the person who walked into the gym. So you feel every day, every time you train that you're learning something, that you're that you're, that you're growing. Yeah, which is so which is such a like rewarding and and intellectually stimulating yeah. thing. Um, yeah, I mean this is what combat sport yeah. you know do to you. I mean combat sports is just. 
I mean, people people think it's just the violence, you know, and the physical aspect mm. of it, but there's a very big uh, mental side to it where you have to really think about it, and it's also about your state of mind, you know, yeah. your confidence. And, and truth versus self-delusion. That's you know? true. Because people think, okay, every, people walk around and they think, oh, well, yeah, now I, I can handle myself in a fight. I know what I, you know, I know what I'm doing. Um, you just but, constantly think about fighting all the day. Well, I am thinking about jujitsu <laughs> pretty much all the time. Yeah, but but uh, but people do walk around, and even people who are trained in some um, martial arts, which may be good in their rule set, if in that in that game, because it is a game. But but um, but uh, they, it creates a sort of false bravado and sort of. But there's a difference between fighting in a ring or yeah. fighting in your gym when you're yeah. training and fighting for real in, for, in, the in real life. Exactly. Very big yeah. difference. And, and I, I think um, uh, I think. I can't remember where, where I was going with that, but but it was it was on that sort of incremental. But it's, gain, but but it's yeah, the self awareness, yeah, right? You're, it, it, you're, you're, you're constantly you're, learning. You're, you're, that's that's what it was. You're you're constantly overcoming and being 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 shown what you know your failings in a very open way because you're on the map being. But you being, said something very important: truth yeah. versus delusion. Truth versus self delusion. This is what it's about. What uh, is yeah. truth? I mean, we could talk about it all day about truth. But, but the truth is, in in this sense, is like you know, every time you submit someone in jujitsu. Um, you are essentially in that moment. Um, you know, you would have conquered in a mortal struggle. You would have, you would have killed them, right? Like, right. And, and so they, there's that realization in their mind. Okay, he, he's just submitted me, or, or when it happens to you, it's a very humbling thing, especially when you first start, because it's like. But it depends how you lose. If yeah. you lose and you've given it your whole and you've, yeah. you've lost. Then you yeah. lose honorably and you feel happy about yeah. it. You do not feel you happy. You never well, feel well, happy no, when you the, lose. The thing is, because you, you never you feel tap, happy, right? You, you, obviously, you're constantly like doing little bouts, right? If you and, gave everything you had, you, you don't feel unhappy. You're okay. Do you think so? Yeah, uh, I think I think if you feel like you've taken something from the loss, right? So if you if you feel like you've learned something, right? I I I got submitted doing that. I'm not going to do that again, or I'm not going to make that mistake again, because that, you know, and, and so you learn, you take, you take lessons from your failures, right? But, okay, that's an interesting thing. So, Fred, what is the, what do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned throughout your life so far? What have you really learned? So, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and what I've realized that I wasn't and that I have to be now is I, is about self-awareness. I'm now incredibly self-aware, and I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned, to become self-aware. What is your one that you've come across do you think? I'm not sure, but possibly it's the ability to get up when you've been knocked down. Mm. How fast are you going to get up? And, and, and how strong is going to be your recovery so that you're able to straight away attack and be on the front foot, yeah. whatever it is that you're doing. And that ability to get up and, and keep going regardless of what happened and, and, and just just keep going and, and stay true to yourself and your vision and stay true to, to, to what you want to be and who you are. I think mm. that's the most important. But that's interesting because a lot of people would, you know, would probably sit and listen to this podcast and look at you and think that you are in a certain place and all those kind of things. But in fact, throughout in life and still now, you have those knockbacks. Don't Every you? day. Every yeah. day, exactly. But a lot of people don't think that is happening. Well, because, well as the Buddha said, life is suffering, right? You're always going to have these, these struggles throughout life that you have to just kind of pick yourself up and dust yourself off and keep going. But the thing is, is it suffering? Because it's this thing about, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is, uh, is optional. Yeah, right? well, that's, that's so true. But like, yeah, yeah, you know, because sometimes you, something happens and I'm feeling, oh my God, I'm feeling so bad and I just want to be by myself. I don't want to talk to anybody and it's just, just me. 
but that suffering also, I'm inflicting it. But I'm inflicting it on myself because I could just say, you know what? I don't want to suffer. No, no, true. I just want to shut myself off and go and 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 nobody knows. I I even forget about it. I think that's the thing. Like, can I do that? Yeah, yeah. I can't always do it, but when I can, I feel so good. Yeah, it is definitely your interpretation of the pain, which is inevitable, right? Because life is like is full of inevitable chaos and pain and, and you know but 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 like you say it's your interpretation and you're you're dealing with that pain and your ability to get yourself up off the ground and, and continue but there is the pain and there is the, the suffering the because yeah. it may be that it hurts but does it have to hurt this much do i have to suffer mm. do you know and effectively slash my wrist by myself you know i, no, I don't need I, to do that yeah, I, I can just just forget about it and mm. just look life is beautiful I'm alive today yeah, yeah well, exactly yeah you but know? it's so hard sometimes to change that mindset right and that's what a lot of people have sometimes where they actually can't change the people mindset people get caught in there you get caught in that turmoil of just like thinking bad things and thinking that it's kind of some negative thoughts and that suffering thoughts and you can't actually get out of it I remember my girlfriend I talk about this a lot my girlfriend when I was younger broke up with me it was honestly the worst thing in the entire world and still to this day I don't think I felt pain like that pain of that kind of have you ever been broken up with Fred oh I remember well, as soon as you said it I remember this <laughs> you just suddenly went you just suddenly became sad 16, I, I was 16 yeah. I was 16 and I was working in the summer and I was so in love with this girl my god I was so in love with her I don't know you know the song yeah. now that we find love what are we going to do with it it was exactly like that mm-hmm. I have no idea what <laughs> yeah, I want yeah, 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 yeah. Fred yeah. no one knows that song anyway <laughs> now that we found love oh no, yeah, 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 yeah they still oh yeah actually I do know that one anyway there you go so Anyway, um, so you were with this girl, 16 years old. I was with this old. girl, working together during the summer, and then the summer finished. I went back to school, I went back home, and I was just heartbroken because she was not there. But suddenly she decided that she was going to come and visit, and I was so excited and so happy. And then it so happened that she broke up with me the weekend that she came to visit me oh, and my man. parents. And I took Did she do it in front of you? Did she come and do it to you before she got there? Uh, yeah, we had a couple of days. I mean, it was just like one of these... <sighs> Just why did she come? I have no idea. Anyway, we just went out. We went for a drink. All, you know what you do, you know, but it was, it was just the, the spirit was gone. Yeah. It was gone. Mm. Anyway, she left. I took her to the station. I come back home and she told me that it was, it was over. And oh, my God, I yeah. was so sad. I mean, it took me a year to recover. But I remember sitting, <laughs> was uh, sitting on my sofa like that. And uh, I was on my, on my dad's shoulder. <laughs> my, dad, my dad with his moustache. My dad, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was going like this. It's okay, Fred. It's okay. <laughs> But it's funny, this is what I was finding out the other day, and this is so interesting about that love, right? And look, we, we are all in our own relationships, and we love um, our various our various partners. <laughs> yeah, We Jamie, love my on, various partners. I love all my partners, but no. But as in, I don't think... I, you know, don't you? I, no, I, yeah, I never think. But my girlfriend, I, I love her more than anything. However, that love when you're 16 years old, that first love you ever have. She's 16. She's 16, yeah. <laughs> but that love when you're 16 years old, nothing ever kind of hits the same as that for some reason. Alain Delon famously said that that first love is the love that you remember all your life because it's the first one and there's no other love that can transcend yeah. that one. That's what he famously said. Really? So yeah. that's what it is. So you can never You ever... and Alain Delon, you think the same. Yeah. But it's just, ne- it's never kind of, ha- it's, it's kind of like the time. You're not the first person to point that out, actually. Yeah. That, me and him are very yeah. similar. Yeah, I get that a lot. They walk, I walk down the street and people go, hey, you not. Alain Delon? <laughs> I was about to go to Londres. <laughs> but so, so then, so I'm interested as well in the fact that do you think when you talked about service and all those kind of things in a restaurant, right? If I was gonna, 
set up a restaurant, would it be, do you think service is, if you had great food, but poor service, do you think that's better than having a restaurant that has not great food, but incredible service? What is a better restaurant? Look, service at the end of the day is like a religion. Yeah. And it's just like life, you know, is about the pursuit of virtue, knowing what is right and knowing what mm. is wrong and looking for the good. If you open a restaurant, you've got to open a restaurant that's going to be good and service has to be part of it and the service has to be good. For the service to be good, you need to have processes and standards, but also you need to understand human nature and have some basic understanding of psychology. I mean, this is a very simple stuff. You need to understand what makes people tick. Like, for example, if you come here at the reception, the first thing, the first, the very first standard on the customer journey is to see, smile, say hello to people mm. before they see, smile, say hello to you because it's my job to be charming first and not the other way around. You know, as a customer, you're going to pay my wages. You know, this is how I pay for Christmas and people have to be happy. I've got to make sure that as soon as they arrive, they've known, they know that they arrived. Now, when you have a restaurant, you know what? Uh, I, I mean, uh, obviously, in the UK, back in the 60s and 70s, I mean, Albert, Albert famously described the UK as a culinary desert because mm -hmm. th there, was, there was almost no, no chefs there and, and the, the, the food wasn't what it, was, what, what it is now. Mm -hmm. and, and you needed that celebrity chef. So, in a way, wrongly, people now assume that it's just about the food. But the food in a restaurant, you know, a restaurant is like a cake. Mm -hmm. And the food is really one slice of the cake. Yeah. But there are other slices and services is one of them. But, of course, there are other slices. You have to, to open a good restaurant, you have to master all the slices. Mm. You have to understand them all. And if you've got mediocre food, good service will make it taste better, right? Yeah. But if you've got mediocre food and the service is bad, then it's really bad. The yeah, whole yeah, thing yeah. is a shamble. I thought you were saying if you have Mallorca food. <laughs> <laughs> Food from Mallorca. <laughs> and I'm really saying you're mediocre. It's very nice, the food of uh, Mallorca. Well, yes, what is the food in Mallorca like? Paella, just, no? Yes. It'd be like paella yeah. and things like that. Uh, Fred, we've got to hold it there for one second because, Francis, you have to give us the question of the week. Oh, yes. What is the question of the week, my friend? Uh, so this question is about the hospitality industry. <laughs> okay. Somewhat. Okay. What hotel in London did the former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher die in? What hotel in London did the former Prime Minister of London Margaret Thatcher was it die the in? The Ritz. It was the Ritz. Oh. <laughs> well, you just, just, is that the, the read revealed? How did you know that, Fred? Uh, I just read the news. Yeah. Oh, is that? So do I. But I didn't read that section. <laughs> I didn't read that section. Did she die in the Ritz? Yes, reading in the Ritz. Yeah. It's, the, it's the one I've been spent so well, many she times... she was in her room, obviously, in the Ritz. I spent so many times in uh, so many different hotels. I have never, ever, ever spent time in the Ritz. The only one. I should try. Yeah, it's lovely. I know the chef, John Williams. You I do. can organise a table and a, and a room for you if you want. So you're saying, Fred, that if I phoned up any restaurant anywhere in London and I gave your name, I dropped your name, you could get me a reservation? For sure. Okay, so and a red carpet, really? and and Francis would like the paparazzi, wouldn't you? You'd like them to turn up. I think he's trying to say that he would like the paparazzi. <laughs> he feels embarrassed uh, asking for a friend. All right, Fred, we've got to stop there because that's the end of part one. But please stick around because we'll be back with you in part two, buddy. Thank you.